From the pages of the Salt Lake Tribune, straight to your earphones, this is Tribune Sports Radio. Please hang up and try again. You know, you're talking about CK's uh, fuse panel going out, and all you would want to do is just like, man, just give me a call. I'd be more than happy to come over and help you out and uh, look it in. But instead of, you know, and then the minute they ask you to come over and do it, you're just like, son of a biscuit. Like, I want right. nothing to do with right. you. And, you know, value my time, you know? I See, electricity is one thing I just would never mess with. Electricity Ooh. scares me because, you know, like, if you have to – if it's like, oh, a screw's loose on the handrail, you're like, all right, that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. I can screw that back in. That won't kill me. Like, electricity will seriously mess you up. Well, you know, I, I talk about this a lot. Oh, yeah, we've been rolling. Oh, uh, just right. get electricity. Going. We'll, we'll, we'll cut this. What we'll do is we'll cut into, like, right now because right. I wanted to get the levels right. But uh, I, my two regrets in life, we've talked about this, is that I wish I joined the military after college. And the other one is I wish I would played high school football. I think it would have been a very good long snapper. I would have been a decent tight end. Uh Hell, this put me at the defensive line. I think I would have, you know, had some success doing that. But uh, I feel the four years of electrical work I did after college might as well have been a military experience because I basically worked with a bunch of hard-edged, hard-edged roughneck, wildcatting, alcoholic racists, you know, that put me through put me through more menial work and menial tasks than you could have ever asked for. You know, essentially, you were in the military, but you didn't get the benefits of having been. Yeah, in the I can't military. go up to the VA now right. because you know I yeah. I didn't finish up with my four year apprenticeship with the IBW down in Las Vegas, local two four seven. That's you boys two four seven. You know, but uh, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> please email us. Organized labor. This is uh, Tribune right. Sports Radio. <laughs> no, but. Uh, so uh, we're doing a solo podcast today. Uh, a lot of guys right on assignment. Mr. Kyle Goon, uh, Mr. Matt Piper, Aaron Falk is in OKC right now, and uh, Tony Jones has got a mama and grandma coming into town. Yeah, so yeah. wasn't able to make it, but we're doing a we're doing a two for here. It's going to be me and Kmo, uh, Kevin Winter Morris, the digital editor of the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, I'm your host Ben Raskin, and uh, we were just sort of uh, talking about earlier before we fired up the mics about sportsmanship uh, with Colorado coming up here. With against the Utes, we don't really have the inside of Piper and Kyle to sort of set up the stage. But we'd like to. Uh, Kevin was mentioning a couple of instances about, you know, with all these guys, you'd want them to move on to the next level. But the reality is, a lot of them don't. And maybe the time they spend in those four years in college or the three years in college are just as important as maybe that aforementioned me being an electrician for four years or going to the military and kind of like life experiences you can get from that. Yeah. I- no, I no, I, I uh, you know, you, and so this is awkward. We need to be better at those. <laughs> we, we need to. You know, the thing I've learned about podcasting is we've gone through almost thirty of these episodes. You, you know, as much as it stinks, you have to be talking nonstop. The dead air kills. But uh, I joined the uh, just kind of talk about my own experience with being an electrician. I um, after I got done gra- uh, college at University of Nevada Reno, I went back to Las Vegas, and I was supposed to work for this, comp- uh, this uh, government organization called the Southern Nevada Strategic Planning Authority. And uh, I had a political science degree, and it seemed like an a- appropriate use of my sure. skill set yeah. with it. And I had just gotten done interning for the Nevada State Legislator, uh, working for Miss Jean Sagerbloom, a Democrat out of Boulder City, Nevada. And uh, she helped me get the job. So the commission was set up to basically curtail the amount of construction they had in Las Vegas. They wanted to put literally a ring around the valley, and so you can build inwards, but you weren't allowed to do any additional construction outwards. 
Well, uh, this was in 96. Anybody who's gone to Las Vegas in the last you know, almost 20 years ago, you'll know it's like they did a horrific job of staying inside <laughs> of that ring and that the water usage down in uh, southern Nevada is, you know, it's almost criminal. And as a proud Nevadan, even I'm one to go, hey, you got to pump the brakes on this. <laughs> But anyway, so I, uh, I worked for this uh, commission for about three weeks, and then they ran out of funding. And so yeah. I, I lost my job because first hired, last, you know, yeah. last hired, yeah. first fired. And uh, I went and cried myself on my mom's couch for about two days. And uh, my mom said, you know, you need to get a job. And so I took a one ad out from a place called Arco Electric, which is a small operation down in Las Vegas. And funny enough, they actually have a, uh, an office here in Salt Lake City. So I will drive around every now and then. I'll say, there you go. I go, hey, yeah. there's an ARCO operation. Like, brotherhood. <laughs> I still got the hard hat with the logo My on people. it. My, My people. My people. You know, and so, uh, but... This is a, my, the best story I know I remember about the electrical thing was actually my first day. There was a guy named Rick Backus. He was the foreman that uh, we, uh, got assigned me, and I was just a general laborer, you know, and I had more education than anybody on the job site, but I was dumber than anybody in yeah. the entire, yeah. at the entire place. We were working at this multi-level building. It was a three-storied it was a three-story office building that was going to be for uh, uh, multi-level marketing, which is funny enough, in 96, I was like, who the heck's gonna, ever going to get into right. this? And you drive south of Salt Lake City, and you're going to see about 16 of these operations yeah. in place. Anyway, um, where they take the main – where the, uh, the panel is fed in from the street lights, they have, a sub, they have a sub, which is out on the street corner. I know you guys have seen it. It's about two feet wide and about uh, – but it's almost a box. It's always heavily metaled. Uh, and it's where the power lines that feed the, the grid go onto the particular property. Oh, and, okay. and so the, I had been at the job site for maybe three hours, and I was picking up trash, which is what you do. All apprentices pick up trash for the first year. Anyone tells you different, you know, <laughs> it's sort of like all sports reporters, where do they start? Preps. They start preps, right. you know. And I'm not saying prep writing and picking up the trash on a job site are the same, but it's, 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 where, you it's start. where you start. Yeah. And you work your way up to, you know, uh, beat writer for the Utah Jazz, Mr. Aaron Falk. Anyways, we're going out there. For those in New Vegas, it rains three times a year. And you never get those Seattle, Portland, or even Salt Lake days where it's sort of like this slow yeah. drizzle and stuff. But it happened to be one of those days in Vegas that happened every decade. And so we're walking out to this panel. Rick, who's a small, diminutive guy with a bad mustache, he looks at, <laughs> he looks at me and hands me a two-by-four about, you know, something like Hacksaw Jim Dugan would have, yeah. you know, about maybe two and a half feet long. And he told me he had to tighten up the lug nuts off the lines coming in there. So he started telling me that 480, if he gets hit by the 480, the way the voltage is set up, it will suck him into the, the, the box. <laughs> and so if for some reason he starts getting, like, he looks like he's shocked, starts seizing, like he's yeah. having a grandma's here, I need to hit him with this 2 by 4 as hard as possible. Now, like I said, we haven't even had lunch yet. <laughs> like, and my last experience of working a job was at the Nevada uh, Strategic Nevada Planning Authority at the college paper. You know, yeah. like, this was like man-style work. So as he takes off the front panel. All right, now be honest. Did, did you think he was full of it? Did, did you really think, all right, I, I, this guy really wants me to just clobber him with a two by four? I think in every asset of my life, what I've learned is that you need to really listen to the older guys. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah. And, and like yeah. when, and I'm going to use the Tribune here. When I first started here, when Daniel White was the assistant sports editor, if she had said like, you need to really observe the best instance in this girls' basketball game, yeah. and that's what you write about. It's like I would I would kill myself for mm -hmm. that entire game to find the best moment of the game or the right. best player. Right. 
And right. in, in the process, I didn't know I had to count the amount of rebounds, the amount of passes. Right. <laughs> right. Like, right. Everything else got pushed to the wayside because I get this laser-like focus where I should not. I mean, it's almost it's detrimental to the bigger cause, you yeah. know. Uh, at, this, at that moment in time, I was like, I'm, if this guy moves, I will strike him with the two-by-four. Criminal well, charges be damned. Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> all right, now hold on here. Okay. All right, a, a guy hands you a two-by-four and says, hey, man, if uh, I start shaking elect- and I start getting sucked in, whack me. I mean, like, was he like, hit, was it just whack me? Or was it like he told you, you know, hit my knees? Or I mean... So this is what we talked about. I remember this part going into there is that when you were walking up there, he tells you about the three different phases of electricity. You have the okay. 110, 120, which we have in the house here at the Tribune offices, the stuff that powers your MacBooks and everything else. Yeah. You have 277, which is also a three-phase, single-phase off that. And uh, also, any electricians listening to this podcast, and I'm misquoting this, just at Benny Raskin on Twitter. Tweet me back at this, and I'll get it right next week. Because I, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. I, I'm just shaking my head yes, as though I know. Okay. okay. So, so the next one Next is, step up is 277, and then right. it goes to 480. All right. One, and this was 480. This is 480. So 110 and 120 and 480, when you get, when you get grounded out while touching a hot lead, yeah. it pulls you in gotcha. to the charge. That's why people, when you get, I'm sure all of us have been electrocuted home with a blender no something like that um you you feel you get it's hard to pull away 277 has the opposite effect what it does it actually shoves you away from the charge smart smart so and i've seen a guy who was uh working at a and it was a uh oh my gosh it was a a dog pound like a pet yeah uh what do they call the animal sanctuary yeah yeah donation uh, where do you wherever you donate the dogs at and stuff like that Anyway, he was working on a 277 outside light that shot him off a ladder into a chain link fence, and the damage from hitting the chain link fence was worse than getting hit by the electrical. And uh, 480, obviously, at the top of the thing, it, right. ba- it basically kills you. Right. You know, and so and, could, and it sucks you in, and you need a guy to whack you with a, a, a two, two by, by four. four. Right. Okay. All so, right. Okay. Back, all right. So back to the story. Okay. The guy says, "Whack me if I get sucked in." If I get sucked in, whack me. Right. So as we walk out to the place. He pulls a cigarette out of his mouth. I, 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 it's funny. You can close your eyes and you remember these people like favorite high school yeah. teachers. I remember Rick Backus like the back of my hand, and I haven't spoken to the man in 20 years. Your favorite? That's your favorite high school teacher? Oh no, the, my favorite electrician. Oh, this okay. is the guy okay. coming. This All is the guy right. pulling yeah. me. You go there. So right. he gets the panel off, and you have this long hex. You have this long hex-driven uh, screwdriver. The same. Imagine a beefed-up IKEA screwdriver, one of those Allen wrenches. Yeah. Takes the panel off. Pulls the cigarette out of his mouth, rested on top of the box as if he was like changing the oil in his El Camino, like on, <laughs> on, the, on the manifest. And then he reaches in there and then he goes, Bzzz, and then turns around, looks at me, and then I still had the two by four up in my up in the air, <laughs> ready to strike him. And then he starts berating me, like, why didn't you hit me? And I was like, I don't know what because I, I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> so Anyway, so as he goes in there and zips it, zaps it, does it on there. But I guess the lesson I learned from that is, like, you got to listen to the older guys. You also have to know when they're messing with you. And there's wow. also a gallow humor that I think is the kind of stuff that I love in all the industries that I've worked in, you know, from the newspaper to the bars yeah. to the uh, to job sites. It's like, it's tough people, you know, not just <laughs> men. It's tough women. It's tough men, tough women. It's tough people that, you know, yeah. they, they grind. Yeah. And if you don't have that sense of humor and that sense of camaraderie, you're going to get killed, <laughs> and both literally and figuratively out there, you know. At what point do you think Rick, uh, mustachioed Rick, would have stopped you? 
Like, uh, yeah, he was messing with you. But if he had got, if you had gotten it and like were winding up to take that swing, do you think he would have stopped you? I think he knew because I must have mentioned no less than a thousand times that I'd just graduated from college and had just lost my my uh, cushy office job. That I think he knew that I was probably a little bit of a square. And probably not, and probably not the kind of guy that's going to be right. You know, right. Taking a Louisville not, slugger not to quick the with the trigger out with the two by four. Gotcha. You know, I don't. I, I think he could smell the lack of violence in me. You know, from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I don't. I, you know, what, I don't know as though I would take that risk. Um, you get some snot-nosed kid who is a little quick with his two by four and doesn't have the reflexes to stop it. I, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I'd be the guy who winds up out cold, think, courtesy of Ben Rass. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just to think about how different life would have been if you know if I had oh, yeah. literally cl- just. And what if I what if I hit him into the vault and then he fried in front of me? <laughs> I mean, that would have changed your life. I would have said because I would have been at the job site for about 187 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, go home back to my mom's couch where I was crying two days earlier and say I was worked today. Uh, I killed a man. Yeah. <laughs> but he told me to do it, so you know. So, you know how it goes, mom. With 480, you know, <laughs> when you're in a light drizzle. I was I was convinced electricity could transfer through rain. That, that's just the other part, you know, and um, uh, it was insane. You know, yes, and, you know, and then the second question with it, of course, is why you say, how did the, the electrical get you up to Salt Lake City with the Arco and stuff? Right. And um, the last job that I worked for this company is that we got hired on to do a prevalent wage job at McCarran Airport. And so if anyone ever goes, flies to Vegas, and you go through the C terminal where the southwest gates are. If you see where the fire strobes or the fire alarms are, that was me and two other guys working on a crew that we went in and installed all that, huh. working from 11 o'clock at night up until about 8 o'clock in the morning. And what I liked about it is that I was making really good money at the time as an electrician, and I think it was $9 an hour. They, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I was like pretty, I was content, you know. Yeah. I could afford an apartment, had a car, you know. Uh, this, you know, I went on the occasional date, you know. And so the prevalent wage job paid $56 an hour. Uh. <laughs> no way. Yeah. It paid $56 an hour. They would put $16 of it into an account that you could access later after you had matured, like almost like a 401k. But anyway, my take home was 40 bucks an hour. $40 an hour, 22 years old in Las Vegas, or 23 years old in Las Vegas, uh, whatever it was like, that's a bad combination. Wow. So we'd go there, and uh, it was really cool that we would drive out onto the tarmac, you know, because to get in there, we had brought all our trucks, and we would park yeah. the cars where you would load onto the planes and stuff. And then we were working all throughout the night, and it was go, 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 because the foreman on this job is that we he knew – that we were, I was making more money than guys had been an electrician for 20 years at that time. So it was no jerk around time. It yeah. was go, go, go. And, you know, we took our breaks and our lunches, but it's the second the lunch was over, it was back to work. And, you know, what you would see is it was you're cleaning up around seven, eight o'clock in the morning, all the morning commuters would start going into the airport. Yeah. And so we would watch, uh, you'd watch some people set up and you'd always be like, oh, he's going to Portland, Oregon. That must be nice. Or he's yeah. flying all the way out to Detroit. Lucky him, you know, <laughs> what, <Wow. laughs> whatever. But the thing is that, uh, like, people might not know who listen to this outside of Nevada or even here in Utah is that they have, like, slot machines yeah. all throughout the entire airport, you know. And so you would hear people uh, playing slots, you know, first thing in the morning, drinking their coffee, maybe drinking a Bloody Mary, getting ready to get on the plane. 
and they had those Wheel of Fortune machines. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there, and we're cleaning up, loading all our tools into the bags, getting ready to haul them down to where the tarmac and to drive off the tarmac into yeah. the streets and stuff like that. And the guy hits the jackpot. <laughs> he hits, like, the uh, whatever the progressive was, and it was, like, $1.2 million or something like that. And he's screaming, jumping up and down. And obviously, you know, you, you want to see what's going on. So yeah. we kind of join the crowd. We're looking at him. And there was this short, diminutive kind of guy, maybe about five foot seven, receding ball pad or, you know, beer belly, arms in the air, jumping up and down, yelling, I don't have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah. I don't have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, damn, that's the job I wanted, even though wow. I was making 56 bucks an hour. And then uh, literally three days later, we finished a job site, and that was it. And so, huh. and an opportunity came to move to Salt Lake City. That's when I moved to Salt Lake City. Wow. Yeah. So huh. that's the alpha and omega of what you would expect in an electrical job site. The rest of it is like, you know, you learn how to work in a trench. 90% of all electrical work is digging. Yeah. You know? And uh, even for the higher guys, it's like you still get a trench. It's cheaper to trench things and stub up than it is yeah. to run conduit and piping and, you know, put sub panels everywhere. Uh, but uh, I don't know. That's. I don't know, it's just sort of funny that we started off on this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For a sports podcast, we're at the 15-minute mark of all this hot electrical talk. Right, and it's all because Chris Camarani's electricity, he had electricity problems, which is why he isn't here today. So, Chris, if you need help, you got my, shoot me a tweet. <laughs> Unfortunately, he can't listen to the podcast because his computer doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, other than that, he's good to go. Oh, man. Yeah. Huh. So, it was... Uh, Kind of like sort of the state of the nation with the podcast, if we might, before we jump onto the teamwork thing there, is that we're at the 30th episode. How are you feeling? Congratulations. Yeah, you too. Yeah, I mean. Didn't think we'd make it this far. <laughs> it's, I, I thought for sure one of us would get too bored to do it. Or, or I thought or Terry Orham, the editor of the paper, would yeah. say, enough's enough with this Meshuggah. In, in fairness, uh, probably about a month ago, he did come by and was like, so the podcast. I was like, yeah. And he's like, that Ben Raskin, he's an interesting guy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I was waiting for the, I was waiting for the, I think you guys are done. He, and that was it. He said, that Ben Raskin, he's an interesting guy, isn't he? I said, yeah. And then he walked away. I was like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> that, 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 that's one of the, Terry is, a, is an incredibly nice guy. But, you know, he is the editor and the publisher. Yeah. And he does have the power to say, meh. You guys aren't as funny as you think. Or we're You're done. done. Yeah. But no, I, I, I was surprised he mm. even knew that we were doing it, to be honest. How is he, what is, with the, uh, is the editor and publisher, I mean, what is, is that just a head honcho of this paper? Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he oversees uh, all the, I mean, you know, it it, it is, it's a very prestigious sounding thing. And mm-hmm. it is. He is the final uh, decision maker on anything editorial. Um, you know, if you have a que- if if there's a question about whether you're going to run it or not. Um, if it's something controversial, he's it. Um, and actually, he's walking towards us now, so we, we, we better act like we're, we're doing, doing serious something stuff. serious. <laughs> yeah, but uh, he is. Back, um, I remember, it, it, you know, when, when you work in newspapers, uh, it, they're, the way that they're portrayed a lot in movies it just isn't the way it is. You know, there aren't people in the newsroom yelling at each other anymore. Um, it's just there aren't... A, it, it, a lot of the function of like what you see in the old time movies about people yelling in the smoke filled rooms, it, it it's all been computerized, so a lot of that doesn't happen anymore. But mm. I do remember um, the when uh, when they were getting ready to f- publish the first stuff about John Swallow and Mark Shirtliff, yeah, yeah. Um, and all the trouble that they got into. And at that time, that was before Terry was the editor and publisher. Um, 
the editor was a woman named Nancy Conway, mm. and the publisher was actually Dean Singleton at that time. And he wasn't here, but Nancy was. And um, I remember, and Terry was in those meetings because he was uh, he was the managing editor, uh, and a couple other people were in there. And I wasn't in those meetings, but you could see it, and you knew they were talking about something serious. And they met multiple times during the <laughs> day, and you're like, what is going on here? And then the next day, they run the first story, and you're like, oh... Um, you know, like I'd, I'd overhear bits and pieces and be like, are you sure you've got this? Are you sure that we have this? You know, and um, that that was like one of those few times where, yeah, the editor, the editor and the publisher, the the, the publisher was actually on the phone. And, you know, the, the conversations that you that are portrayed in the movies. Like Ben really Bradley and all the president's yeah, men. Exactly. You know, expect exactly. something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, because this is a, a, a business where you guys, are, you know, like the dual responsibility of like both putting out, you know, accurate yeah, accurate, accurate content where right. there's not mistakes and actually reporting the happenings both locally and nationally and internationally and stuff like that. It also, you know, is the part two where you got to sell ads, you know, and yeah. kind oh, of yeah. and sell some. Yeah. Uh, is, how is how does that kind of get rectified? You know, it's like if you were, do, you, is that a concern? You know, maybe this is too much inside baseball here, but do you, or do stories lose advertisers? Like, would uh, Burger King say, like, no more because I don't like this way this AG story's going? Um, prob- probably not that story. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I, I don't really deal with that very much. Because it's uh, a whopper. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're better than that. Buddy. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> Even Terry knows this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes you do. I get threats. Um, I know that uh, back a while, uh, it was before I was here, that um, the sports department had run, an ad, run a headline about the jazz being done and uh, the Larry H. Miller uh, family of companies or businesses. I think they own like 257. Got, and there's quite a few. Uh, they got pretty upset about it, um, and there were some discussions there about, you know, hey, easy. Um, but I wasn't, and that was before I was here. It, 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 I, I think that a lot of times that that can maybe get, that someone's got a little bit of a hothead and when people settle down, um, on both sides that usually. It would seem to me okay. though, like you know, the best stories and are the ones, if you get a content that drives people, that means we get some more eyeballs on it. Then yeah. advertisers naturally want to be a part of it because yeah. even not just with the trip, but with anything, you know, you could be clicking through National Geographic and they're going to have a bunch of sidebars of ads of things they want you to hit up and stuff like that. You know, like, yeah. hey, take a Caribbean cruise and look out with the blah, blah, blah whales. And, yeah, you know, I mean, and, one of the things that I deal with a lot um, as the, the person who kind of oversees the, the editorial side of our website, um, a lot of people complain about the ads and... Um, and I understand that. And and then you also get, uh, I, I have family that even are like, well, the media is only in the business of selling newspapers. And I'm like, well, you know, we don't write stories to sell. Like, I've never met a reporter who went in being like, all right, this story is going to sell us some newspapers. I don't care if it's true or not. Like, that just isn't, you do good, you try to do good stories. Um, and you try to do stories that are really interesting or, or really explore an issue like um this this past week it was on sunday one of our reporters aaron elberty did a story mm-hmm. um on um how the number of shooting people shot and killed by police in utah was greater than the number of people shot um in 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 gang violence and she listed all she had all this great statistical information and 
Um, it was just a really well-reported story. That story did phenomenally well um, online mm-hmm. because it was well-reported. It was um, it was a it was a hot topic, and it has been this week. You know, with everything going on in, in Ferguson, Missouri, right? Mm-hmm. About the police shooting and killing people, mm-hmm. um, and you know that story was not written with the intent of we are going to sell newspapers with a story. It was just great reporting, and a great story, and it explored a topic that people were talking about. Um, it's a water cooler subject that was done pre- pre- yeah, properly. Exactly, exactly. And I have no idea how we I got off on this tangent, but well, because um, well, I think you know, let's, but you know, from a guy who strings here and hasn't really done a lot of feature work in a while mm-hmm. uh, on this, is like uh, the last story that I wrote was on a, a young girl named uh, Reagan Everett. Uh, she has, she was a uh, Murray softball player that mm-hmm. had cancer, and I remember my entire intent in writing, researching, interviewing her, her parents, the coaches, yeah. and her teammates was I wanted to honor the girl. And I, yeah. I did not want to – I wanted I wanted the intent, and hopefully the story came across. It's like, yeah, she's got cancer, but she's not on the field because she's got cancer because she's, she's a switch hitter that bats right. 330, right. could probably get a golden glove. They issued that in high school here in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And she has a never-say-quit, you know, never never-say-die attitude. Right. You know? And, like, and yeah. she's tough as nails, and she stares down uh, pitchers, you know – whoever it is. And I remember when I was writing it, it's like part of it was like, I wonder if this sells a couple extra papers. Yeah, well, And like grandma and grandma are going to buy a couple extra newspapers so they can clip out this article and put it on the fridge. Well, I mean, a a story like that. And when I, when, whenever I write a story too, it's, uh, you try to find something like feature wise where it's like, oh man, you know, I'm really curious about that. Or, wow, that's really cool. Like, over the summer, there was a, a guy who plays for the Utah Grizzlies. Look at this. I'm going back to sports. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> guy who plays for the Utah Grizzlies, he, he was back in um, – he lives out in Buffalo, New uh-huh. York, and was playing in, in a rec league game uh, with Patrick Kane, the star for <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Chicago Blackhawks. And this guy, Vinny uh, – his last name is escaping me right now. But Vinny actually scored the most goals in the game. Mm. Patrick Kane had the most points because he had, like, seven or eight assists, and Vinny only had, like, four or five. But um, but Vinny was the, the, had the most goals in the game. And I was like, oh, man, it'd be cool to talk. I was like, man, that'd be crazy. Because I, I play rec hockey. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, if an NHL player, or much less an NHL star, came out and played, like, what, what would that be like? So I was like, man, I'm going to see if I can get a hold of Vinny. So I call him, you know, yeah, and talk yeah. to him. And... Um, it was just kind of cool. It's that type of thing where I'm like, well, I thought it was cool, so I'm going to write a little story about it and see, you know, what – and just kind of – that way other people – if I thought it was cool, maybe someone else does too. So you're – I mean, I think it goes without saying, like, the best skill set a reporter could have is just natural curiosity. Yeah, I think so. You know, just yeah. wanting to figure out how the world works and, you know, make sure when bits and pieces yeah. don't fall into place, exactly why are they not falling into place. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you can get – and when you get into some of the harder stuff, it's – you start going, man. This just doesn't seem right. Something, uh, this just doesn't smell right. Something's mm-hmm. wrong here. Um, you know, our, our, you and I mm-hmm. are both buddies with Nate Carlisle, yeah, yeah, um, who covers uh, the military as well as um, government the, affairs, the NSA, NSA out yeah. here. And you know, a lot of his stuff is, man, this just doesn't seem right. Doesn't pass like, the smell this test. Is, this isn't cool. Why? Yeah. Why are they doing this? Um, and and then he starts digging, and you know, sometimes he'll get blocked. Uh, He'll be told, no, he can't have that information. But, man, it doesn't stop him. He's just, he just, he just, he's someone who, man, that just doesn't seem right. Something isn't right there. And then he goes and tries to figure it out. And, and, and really, you know, for him, a guy like him, he's someone, 
a lot of his stories, when he finds stuff like that and, and shines a light on it, can help to change it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, we mentioned Ferguson a minute ago, and I think that I my attitude is that there's a lot of media out there trying to do the same thing. If something doesn't smell right here, yeah, yeah. and you try to shine a light on it, you try to make some changes, and uh, or you try to you try to force changes to things that don't seem right through public by, by through applying public pressure. Yeah, so it's like in the difference just. Kind of on this. I don't want to talk about Ferguson. It's too much. No, no, no. I, I don't. I. But it's. Uh, but with like social media and you know running a blog and stuff like that, the, you think the paper has more of a gravitas. Like there's a both the 140 years of publishing tradition here. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, kind of a professional standard. You know that. Right. That needs to be executed. Whereas, like, I write a blog myself, um, and uh, you know, for me, there's no editorial board. It's just I. I yeah. want to write what I want to write, and then it goes out there. Read it, don't read it, comment, right. don't comment, you know, and... Uh, yeah, and, and, and as a result, and, and this, going back to sports too, um, as you, just a guy out there writing a blog, chances are that the, that the newsmakers, the, the big-time decision-makers are going to call back a reporter with the weight of the Tribune behind it yeah. over a guy like you, you know. For instance, uh, you know, if Governor Herbert does something, you know, declares something or whatever... And you are like, oh, man, I'll give, you the, blog, I'll give, give, I'll give you the example. Maybe Spencer Cox, the lieutenant governor, doesn't have the authority to pardon a turkey. You know, like maybe he overstepped his governmental power. <laughs> let me let me tell you something about Spencer Cox. That guy just – I want his job. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he – that guy had – he is a guy who has a good time doing what he does. The, dr- the I, drunk I with power him. tweet was awesome. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness, that guy is something else. He, um, yeah. I my first actually. Here's a funny story okay. and, uh, about Spencer Cox. I actually um, so each year um, it, in early December, the governor of Utah, um, and and it, it, it it's the governor it, right now. Obviously, it's Gary Herbert, but. Um, John Huntsman did it, and it's been going on for a while. Orlean Walker before that. They they host a um, a holiday party mm-hmm. at the at the mansion, uh-huh. and um, all the Tribune reporters get invited. And it isn't just a Tribune; it, they invite pretty much. Well, I think presumably the Desert News, presumably right. the yeah. Standard Examiner, and yes. all the all your other colleagues throughout I, the state. I, I don't know how far it goes, but and it isn't just media; it's it's the the governor's holiday party, yeah. a Christmas party, because. The Christmas card says Merry Christmas. So um, so last year, um, my wife, Jeannie, and I um, decided that we were going to go. Uh-huh. So we went, and um, you, you have to have a, an invitation to get in. The, the um, highway patrol is there. Like, you got to show them to pass to get in. I uh-huh. mean, it, like, it, it, it isn't like anyone can just go in. So we go in, and uh, on the first floor... Uh, they they had a room that was set up and decorated for Christmas where you could get your picture taken with the governor. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So Jeannie and I are like, oh, well, I was like, you know, we should do it. And so, okay. So the, it was about a 15-minute wait. And so we were there and we were waiting. And uh, as we were getting closer, one of the, like, the, go- the governor's aides or someone handed a small sheet of paper to Jeannie. Mm-hmm. And Jeannie took it and read it, but she didn't say anything. I, like, I was kind of looking around, and you know, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's a, it's a cool building. Yeah, it's an old Victorian. It, it, it is. And it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I'm just kind of looking around. I didn't really pay attention. Jeannie looks at it. Okay. So we get up there, and, uh, like, when it's... The, the person before you's up there getting their picture taken with the governor, 
and uh, they're like, oh, who? The, it was the governor's chief of staff, shakes your hand and says, oh, you know, nice to meet you, and, and essentially asks where you're from. Yeah. And then when it's your turn, you walk toward the governor and his wife who are in front of a Christmas tree, and there's a little mark on the... On the ground there, like an X, yeah. where you're supposed to stand. And the chief of staff says, oh, governor, this is um, Kevin and Jeannie Morris um, with the media. That way he knows who you're, who you're with. And so he, you shake his wife's hand. So he can stop with hand. all the F-bombs. Right, exactly. So, yeah, so Gary isn't like, I can't stand the Tribune. So, all right, so you stand there, and uh, they, have a, they have a photographer there. And so I'm in the middle, and uh, my wife, Jeannie, is uh, to the right of me, uh-huh. and then the governor and, and his wife. And uh, out of the corner of my left, my uh, corner of my eye, it was my left eye, I kind of see, like, this other guy getting into my picture. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, it was like a 15 or 20-minute wait, and everyone else was getting their picture taken alone with the governor, right? Yeah. So I'm like, man, this just, okay, whatever. So uh, they uh, one picture, you know, because it's a professional yeah. And uh, then, oh, thank you, Governor. Thank you, uh, Mrs. First Madam. Lady of Utah. You know, uh, they were very nice. Mm. And then uh, a turn, and this other guy is standing there. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this guy doing? Why did this guy get into my picture? And I'm like, come on, man, wait your turn. So he sticks out his hand. And in my head, I had enough time to go, <laughs> but I was like, just shake the dude's hand, and, I, and so he says, "Well, Merry Christmas," and I'm like, "Yeah, you too." Honestly, goodness, that's how I said it to him. I'm like, "Yeah, you too." And then some woman is standing next to him, so I shake her hand too, because I'm just a nice guy like that. Oh yeah, well, oh yeah. So we walk out of the room. Well, I'm ticked. I am really. I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little perturbed yeah. because this guy couldn't wait a stinking turn, and like. There's a line. Yeah. Get in line. Yeah. All right. No so, cutsies. You understand. <laughs> I was like, I don't care who you are. So all right, So they had refreshments um, up on the third floor. On yeah. the second floor, there were a bunch of harps, a mm. uh, bunch of people playing harps. Beautiful music. I love harps. But that's yeah. a different story. That's a, diff- that's a different podcast. So we go up to the top floor. Like, they even, oh, the food was the food was good. Like, they had a chocolate fountain <laughs> and a white chocolate fountain. <laughs> and then they had little things that you can stick in there. Mm. I'm way too classy to stick my tongue into the phone, but I, I did think about it. So it was wonderful snacks. It was really good. And uh, Jeannie and I have two daughters. Well, a friend had watched our, our daughters for us. And uh, so, all right, so we go, and we had our snacks, and, uh, and then we leave. And we actually stopped at home in order to change before going to pick up the girls. Uh-huh. So we're there, and uh, I, you know, I throw on a sweatshirt, and we're going, and I get to the door to open the door, and I go, oh, my God. And Jeannie goes, what? I go, I know who that guy was <laughs> that, tried to, that tried to photobomb us. She's like, what are you talking about? I go, the guy, you know when we got a picture taken <laughs> with the governor? She goes, yeah. I go, I know who that guy was that tried to photobomb us. Who was it? She goes, what do you mean? I go, it was the lieutenant governor. She goes, yeah, I know. I was like, what do you mean you knew? And she goes, well, it was on that piece of paper that they gave me. I was like, come on. I was like, you got to understand. I, I didn't even, I, I didn't really even say Merry Christmas to him because I thought he was photobombing us. She's like, you're an idiot. Well, uh, so that was my first time I ever met Spencer Cox. So do you have anything you'd like to tell the lieutenant governor now? I'll see you on Tuesday at the Christmas party. <laughs> I I am very much looking forward to it. Um, I'm sure he's a regular listener. Oh, I, he yeah. has to, He will be after this, yeah. after all the hot electrical talk and Ferguson. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, white, sure, I'm sure he's lasted this long. Chocolate fountains. Yeah. 
No, um, that's a with this time of year though coming up with. Well, okay, so okay. Now, okay. Also, Spencer Cox had just recently taken over as lieutenant True. governor. Not that I would have known who the other guy was, but in fairness, it wasn't like his face was all the all around. Yeah. Well, you ever pulled that? You ever pulled one where uh, with someone who you should have known and. Oh, all the time. I, you know, I'm a professional bartender. You know, I mean, oh, I yeah. mean, hundreds of people all the time. I can't remember. How do you cover it? How do you? What's your cover? It's, this is very, it's an easy skill set, and I don't mind giving it away. Um, with friends, good friends, yeah, uh, that I meet outside of the bar or family, I go by Ben. And uh, when I get called Benny, I know they met me at the bar. <sighs> it's as simple as that. And just with that small piece of information. Smart. So with that small demarcation up there, I'm able to sort of do the Rolodex of figuring out who, what, yeah. when, where, why, how I met this person. And if it's Ben, I just assume it's like, oh, it's probably a friend of a friend that I met at a barbecue or yeah. a social engagement yeah. or sort of like that. And it's, just, and it's worked really well for about the last 10 years. This isn't good because I always call you Benny. Oh, it's fine. And so I'm going to be introducing you as Benny just to mess with you. Well, it's, it's, it, it, has a, it does have a, a base ground on this one. Like, yeah. You know, eventually it just, I figure it out, you know, but... You know, I think you can only you only have room, you know, in your mind to remember upwards of seventy nine people, right? And, and I like to keep like, at least the president, a couple of my bosses, and my siblings in that list. That's smart. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, as long, since we're, it's I have another one just like that, it's, and this one's actually sports. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you you talk about trying to trying to know people, and uh, this was back. I I was I was working in uh, Texas at the time. Okay, right, and. Uh, I it was the New Jersey Devils had played the Dallas Stars, and I am a big New Jersey Devils. Fan. Yeah, you're a Devil guy, right? So uh, so after the game, I decided I was going to go into the Devils locker room, and I was going to talk to some of the guys. To you know, it, it, they had won the Stanley Cup um, the year before. So that would have been so it would have been two thousand. It was four uh, January two thousand one. One okay. Yeah, and they'd won it in two thousand in Dallas, and I was in Dallas. So, okay, okay. So my thing was. You know what was it like being on the ice again? The last time you were here, you won. You, last time you were you here, you were hoisting the cup. Right. Now, Ex- what's it like yes. returning yes. to the uh, the celebratory spot? Right. Now, the thing to understand about professional uh, athletes is um, that, like football and basketball, you usually can tell that there's that uh, they're freakishly big. Mm-hmm. Hockey players really aren't, and. A lot of times, like, you'll see locker rooms that are just really elaborate. Um, you know, like, for instance, the jazz locker room. You go in there, their nameplate is over, their 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 locker. It's it's just, and it's all wood, and it's, it's, it's a really nice place. Um, you know, some of them have TVs in each individual locker, and it, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. That's what you'd expect professionally, right. professional athletes to have. That's the home team. Yeah. The visitor... Most times is nothing like that. It, it, it's it's not now. Energy Solutions isn't bad. Um, in Dallas in two thousand one, it was like a high school locker room. I mean, it was like it was like the the nastily painted like five different colors, like metal, like kind of chain mm-hmm. between each one. And like, there was kind of a little bit of a bench and it wasn't very big and hockey stuff, uh, the gear, there's just so much. Yeah, in it, yeah, yeah. And it just stinks. Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> it stinks. So I'm in this locker room and there were no nameplates. Okay. The other thing about professional uh, athletes in their locker rooms is that most of the time there are varying levels of, 
dress slash undress. So some have clothes on, some don't. It's yeah. hard to tell. All right, so I'm in there, right? And there is, <laughs> we're talking to a guy, and I don't even remember who it was. I think it was like Ted, or Ken Danico. So he's missing like most of his teeth. You couldn't, you couldn't mix him up with anyone. Just talking to him, me and another guy talking to him. All right. Well, we finished. Then we go over, and we start talking to this gentleman. It was Martin Brodeur, the, yeah. uh, the Hall of Fame goalie. Martin Brodeur had a towel over his shoulders. That was it. <laughs> That's the only thing that the guy's wearing. And he he was kind of in the middle of the locker room, so it wasn't even like there was anything near him. There mm. were no identifying marks around him. I knew who it was because I'm a you've seen marks. Fan. You've seen him naked before, of course. Well, I, this was the first time. <laughs> so me and this other reporter are talking to him, and this other reporter is probably early 40s. And we're talking to him for a good – it was more than five minutes. It probably wasn't 10 yet, but it was close. And uh, it got to the point where it's me – this other reporter and Martin Brodeur, and it's just the three of us. Everyone else had kind of cleared out. Yeah. And uh, so the guy, the guy's just asking question after question after question. And I couldn't even get in one. This guy just kept going. Well, after like about more than five minutes, the guy's like, so, you know, tonight, um, you know, it seemed like Marty had a really good game in net. Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what he was doing in net? I realized this guy doesn't know who he's talking to. <laughs> I was like, oh. Martin Brodeur, to his credit, and nothing but a towel, very coolly gets this big grin on his face and goes, um, you you know I'm Martin Brodeur, right? <laughs> this guy turns a shade of red that I've never before seen in my life. This guy is like, oh, no, 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 oh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, yeah, um, but, um, yeah, you know, and it's like, what I meant was, um, you had a really good game, and, um, and Martin Brodeur is just, he's just laughing at this guy. Like, it was just one of those things, like, I was like, yeah. yeah. I knew who we were talking to. You didn't know. Well, in fairness to hockey players, is that they're all the, the good ones, the professionals, they have a body type. There's an archetype to yeah. a hockey player. They're all six foot to 5'10, yeah. uh, about 100, oh, sorry, 210 to 195 pounds. But how much body fat? A very little. Seven to nine percent, right. you know, and they're they're all from Russia, Sweden, Canada. Like, you, Lord knows what they look like without their uniform on. You know, it it helps having that jersey on the back. Yeah, kind of well, that's, that's the thing. You know, you, you think a lot of times. Uh, it, it remind you know, Brodeur, Martin Brodeur is six two, mm. so it isn't like he's freakishly big, and. When you watch him, he has the jersey on, and he has a helmet on. And, he, and, and how much uh, more gear does he mask. have on? He's got, like, what, 60 pounds of padding on him? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, he's got the big pads. Goalies wear crazy amounts of pads. Yeah. I mean, it, really, it's it's as though they have – they do essentially have a layer of, of armor yeah. all over the top of them, which – probably doubles the their upper body size. Yeah. Like you just have you would have no idea how big a guy is in his goalie gear because he, there's straps and buckles and everything to protect. Well just the leg tire arm just the and upper shin body. guards and stuff are huge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, <laughs> that's, funny. that's funny. This guy didn't know who he was talking no to. No idea. Him. No idea who he was talking to. Was Bordeaux answering the questions pretty well though? Oh yeah. Like engaged I, and like Yeah, he 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 could not have been any nicer. And um, finally, one of the PR guys for the Devils came over and said, "Hey guys, we got to get out of here. Marty needs to go hop in the shower." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he could not have been nicer. But uh, and the guy, 
the guy thought he was talking to Scott Stevens, and mm. you know, they both kind of have that blondish hair. Mm. Um, it's of course one has a beard, the other doesn't, yeah. but. You know, you know, it's funny. Like during these prep games, you know, like you get to the roster from the coach at the beginning yeah. of the game, and then sometimes the coach is going to say, like, "All right, so Jane Smith is actually wearing uniform 13, right. and then so and so is wearing 15." So they're giving you the corrections, and yeah. it helps out during the coverage of the game because you know, specifically for soccer and stuff. At the end of the game, you're trying to interview these girls, and it's like, "I need to talk to Lindsay and Brittany and Stephanie," you know, yeah. and then they want to do group interviews, and then they, you know, they're all excited to their credit. This is why covering prep is probably, to my opinion, it seems like yeah. cool. It's like their enthusiasm at the end of the game is they're jumping up and down. It's like, I can't believe we beat so-and-so. And yeah. This is awesome. And then you should try to transcribe your notes. It's like, all right, so all these 16-year-old girls sound alike. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my secret is um, I tell them straight out, if, you know, if there's like three, um, if there's three together, I'm like, look, I I just want to, let's just do one at a time because otherwise I will mess it up. Yeah. Like, and, and usually they're cool about it because, oh, yeah. And, I, yeah, you'll be like, all right, you asked for three. And it's like, all right, I asked for Joe, Pete, and Bob. Yeah. And, and you're like, all right, who are you? And they're like, <laughs> well, I'm Joe. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. I, I actually thought you were Bob. Good yeah. thing we cleared that up. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a weird dynamic with that. It, it, it is easy, though. I mean, mm -hmm. really, because if, if you just start, if, uh, like for me with football, I always try to grab the guy before, guys, before they start taking their jerseys yeah. off. Because, you know, they always want to get their pads off. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no. Because then once they have their pads off, it's a free for all. You have no, because then you can end up broduring them. Yeah. You don't know who <laughs> you they are. Them. Yeah. Well, I guess it's kind of ties up with what we we're talking about the earlier is that you want to write for the Tribune. You want to write the best story you can, yeah. get the accurate and not mess up, you know, your facts and figures and stuff. And definitely at the end of these games, when you're talking to Martin Bordeaux, half naked, naked, and, right. you know, all these players, you know, you, you want to get those quotes right. You want to get their names in the paper. And I argue they want their name in the paper, too. Like, they yeah. want it. They want, you know, a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of glean. They want a little bit of that copper coin. You oh know? yeah, there was. Uh, I I went out, um, covered a prep game this year. It was North Summit at Duchesne in mm -hmm. football, and I went out and was uh, that the uh, fine? That was the Duchesne finally loses game, right? Yeah, okay. The, where they, it ended their winning streak. So I go out there, and there was a kid for North Summit. He had caught a touchdown pass, and um, he had done something else. I, it was back in I think it was August. So I don't had know, a good game. Remember. Right, he had a really good game. So I go over and I'm outside of their their locker room and I asked one of the assistant coaches hey can you get me and I don't even remember the kid's name like number 13 right and he's like yeah yeah no problem and I'd also want to talk to the quarterback so um, I'm talking so the quarterback comes out first I'm talking to him and I can overhear the assistant coach talking to the other player that I asked for and the coach is like hey this guy wants to talk to you and the kid's like no man stop messing with me and the coach is like, no, really, the Tribune wants to talk to you. He's like, come on, man. Come on, let me get dressed. And the coach is like, no, man, I'm not messing with you. Really, that guy right there, he's from the Tribune. He wants to talk to you. And the kid the kid didn't believe it. He would not believe it. So finally the kid comes over. I'm like, hey, I'm Kevin Morris from the Tribune. He's like, okay. What? Really? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, Don't play, boy. It, Don't it, play with me. It, it, it really was one of those things yeah. where, and, and that is fun. That's mm. what I like about covering props is I think that those kids do get a kick out of it. And and it's fun. You know, you had a great game, man. Yeah. Let's celebrate it. It's fun. And it's also fun. I, the other thing is that uh, it, it's it's amazing how ESPN and sports centers permeated all the way down to the high school oh, levels. Yeah. And it's yeah. like these kids, you know, it's to their credit. They're fans. They're like us. They want to watch, yeah. they, you know, they watch the highlights and stuff and they hear the, you know, the 15 second interviews yeah. and stuff. And I think they want to try and knock that. 
I think they want to sound like you know uh, Peyton Manning. They no, want to they yeah, want to sound yeah. like uh, Mar- uh, Marshawn Lynch. You know they right. they have the no not Marshawn. Oh no, not Marshawn Lynch. No, Lynch. Uh, no. no yeah. 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 Um, you know, but you know, <laughs> can don't you talk it, about Sunday's game? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Marshawn. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bad example there. But you know, they, they it kind of gets the they want their moment in the spotlight. Oh yeah. And you know, the best yeah. part about it is like kind of you know maybe yeah. even tie it back to the electrical stuff at the beginning. It's like you kind of want to enjoy and be present during yeah. this time because yeah. reality and not a lot of these kids are moving up. Even the right. re- even, and here's the other right. thing. Even the really good kids are like enough stuff. My sister got a, a scholarship to go play volleyball for Rice, and she a full ride one too, and she said no because she wanted to go to Oregon because she just wanted to be a student. you know. Huh. And her, her response was like, I played volleyball for six years. I was six years of camp, six years of private instruction, six years of competition. And it's like, it's out of my system. Like, yeah. I, I have officially done all I will do in volleyball. I'm going to do the next level. And I think some of these great kids are like my sister. They're going to go on to great careers and do things yeah. they're going to do. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, well we're, uh, we're, we're almost at the hour mark. <laughs> should probably well i i think we need to wrap it up and yes. it is thanksgiving week uh, so we i i think that it would only be right to end it with a quick discussion of pie i agree i could turkey's fine enjoy turkey but pie's where it's at you are a pie aficionado i love pie i love to make pie i love to eat pie i love everything about pie now the only thing cake is better than in pie is that cake is a better substrate for decorating. Yes. Cakes are superior to pie. True. If you need to put some decorations or a True. happy birthday icing on there. Yes. Some sort of marcate, you know, to demarcate an experience, you know. Yes. Pie is for the consumption. Yes. Pie is for eating. And yes. if done properly, pie could be visually stimulating. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. The colors, you, you, okay, first of all, it has to be homemade crust. You do not, under any circumstances, use a store-bought crust. What about graham cracker, though? Graham cracker is make it, it's, make time con- it's time consuming. Make your own. It's not worth it? If not done no. in the house, it's not worth doing no. it all? Okay. No. All pie crust must be done by In-house? Me. Okay. I, my, I have my great-grand... It, it's at least one great. It might be two great. Grandmother's recipe. It is so simple. However... I don't give that out. No one gets it. That's what we call a teaser, I, people, I, for the Christmas episode. My, my seven-year-old daughter, I have allowed her the knowledge of making it. And she's actually really good because it. the weird thing about that recipe is it's things like, and add a pinch of salt. However, when it was explained to my – so mm-hmm. it, it was my father's grandmother. Mm-hmm. So he's the one who passed it on to me. His mother passed it on to him. Well, when my father said it, he said, now when you do the pinch – Remember, your grandmother, your, well, for him, it was, he said your grandmother, but it was your great-grandmother. Nanny's got. she had small hands, hands. (laughs) so the pinch is her size, not yours. And, uh, oh, yeah. So I'm going to go with an apple and a pumpkin, one of each. Can't, you cannot go, pumpkin is mandatory. I I think it is. It's mandatory this time of year. I think it is. You can probably. It's a tough pie to make, though. It's not easy in the least bit. No. Um, now we're talking. You know, is it going to be like a maple glaze to it, or are we just talking no, just a no. simple? Like the crust is the star. You know how RSL <laughs> the says cr- the team is a star. <laughs> With my pies, the crust is the star. <laughs> so yeah, Jeannie will make the Jeannie does. A, my wife does a good job of mixing the. She'll mix the insides for that one. 
Um, and then we'll go straight up. The apple. What Now, what varietal of apple are we talking about here? <sighs> Fiji, Granny Smith. We're going to go with Honeycrisp. Honeycrisp. All right. I, I have really taken. Skin I've on, skin off. smitten with Honeycrisp <laughs> apples. Uh, skin off. Skin off. Absolutely. Cut into very, very thin, almost paper-like uh, little pieces. Uh, then you mix that with a good uh, sugar and cinnamon mixture, and then we go with the crumb top. You have to uh, the uh, <laughs> butter. Now, where does the late sugar... lattice pie crusting on top fall with that? Are you a fan, or no. is that a uh... no? No, I, I like the sweet top. Uh, uh, any of my any of my uh, fruit pies mm-hmm. always get the crumb topping, whether it's cherry. Blueberry, apple, you go with that. Now, here's the $64,000 question. Do we do these a la mode, or is this whipped cream topping, or is the pie the star itself without any no, further? No, the does crust it take an, does is it... the star, Benny, the crust. <laughs> Let me tell you, Jason Christ would be very disappointed in you. The crust is just the star. To, just trying to get to the truth on this. All right. Key lime, I like to go with the homemade. Don't, don't go buying Cool Whip. <laughs> Get the heavy whipping cream. Heavy whipping cream. We'll sprinkle a little bit of sugar in there as you're whipping it on Any the vanilla? high. Until you get the, the stiffness, the perfect mm. stiffness. You go with that over the, the key lime. And now does that get baked into the oven? No. no, no. Well, the key lime is baked. Baked, but, but then, then the whipped cream cooled goes. Cooled and whipped cream on okay. top. Okay. Huh? Pumpkin, I like to also have the heavy whipping cream uh, homemade. Uh, is, but but is, a... a a dollop, <laughs> a dollop of the of the whipped cream. Now, is this great grandma's size dollop, or is this a, the American no, this dollop? No, this is Kevin Moore's size okay. dollop. So, essentially, take a uh, a, 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 label. Fr- a front loader. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Um, I'm okay serving that one with uh, the ice cream. I think that the apple is best served a la mode. Yeah, I agree. Just yeah. Uh, French vanilla or. I like the French vanilla. Um, I think that the little specks of uh, briars. Briar. Spend spend the extra two dollars, get the quality ice cream. It's it's once a year, people. It is. You got to be thankful for. Something. You got to be. Well, uh, I'm thankful you had time to join us on this podcast. I'm thankful that we've had thirty of these episodes. Uh, great group of guys that have been working away in here. We've got some guests that are going to be coming up. We're going to tease that for the next week, and then the week after that, I've lined up there. Uh, for the same agreement as usual, just go to iTunes. We love a five-star review, even if we don't deserve it. And then kill us in the comment section. Absolutely. Help give us, you know, uh, break it that part down. Uh, follow the podcast on uh, Twitter at uh, Trib Preps. I'm sorry, Trib Sports Radio. And uh, he's K. Win Mo. I'm Benny Raskin for uh, Thanksgiving. Have a great, safe one, guys. Take care. Bye bye. For Tribune Sports Radio, this is Ben Raskin. Our weekly podcast is recorded every Tuesday. Subscribe to the show on iTunes at Trib Sports Radio. And while you're there, please rate the show and give us some comments to help improve the podcast. All of our reporters' work can be found at sltrib.com. Please follow us on Twitter at Trib Sports Radio. Tweet us questions and the fellows will be happy to answer them. Or if you feel like writing an email, send it to Tribune Sports Radio, all one word, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.